Well, it's really good to see y'all today. If you're a guest, we're so glad you're here. I'm, I'm David. I'm the pastor. It's a great day of celebration. We celebrate baptism. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's kind of cool. I sent off to the side, you know, and they were, they were in baptizing, and I could see the steam rising off the water. I kind of felt like we were outside, you know, and the, and the heat all there coming up. That was pretty cool to see that, and it was just a joy. We have 13 baptisms today. We had one in the last service, and we have four in the, each of the three contemporary. And uh, it's just a time for us to... They kind of celebrate the Lord, the baptism and, and Lord's Supper. Some of you call it communion. Some of you come from a tradition where you call it Eucharist. We're not going to call it that here. But Lord's Supper, communion. The, these are two memorials that we have, or ordinances, if you will. Um, they're ways that we celebrate faith. Baptism is an initial celebration of coming to be a believer. And communion, the Lord's Supper, is an ongoing celebration. It talks about us coming to Christ. And that's really what life's about. It's about following Jesus. The one thing we want to do as a church is to help people become followers of Christ. That's our mission, to reach people for Jesus. We know we're not going to reach everybody. And so we kind of say, if we can't reach you, can't reach everyone, can we at least somehow impact their life? At the very, at the very least, you want to make some sort of impact. And so we're, we're, we're in this nine-week kind of series, but it's also a campaign connected with entering our second phase of our building uh, program out here. And we relocated phase one, built this building, and now we got another phase coming. And what we focused on so far in Luke, you know, we've seen vision and prayer and preparation, and we've seen a place to, to impact lives. Next week, we're going to start in Acts. I'm going to talk next week about Crossroads. Just really encourage you to be here for this, that message. But today is just kind of a picture of what does it look like to impact. Impacting people's lives, what, what does it look like? It looks like that, like baptism. I'm going to talk to you today about baptism. Come to the third chapter of Luke again. And, and coming there uh, to share a little bit about baptism uh, and, and, and the baptism really of Jesus. And for when I get to that passage, this is what I want you to see for the message today. It's really simple. That baptism, along with the Lord's Supper, pictures the impact of Jesus on our lives. It's really what they do. They're pictures. And pictures tell stories. And they tell the story of Jesus impacting our life. And so when we get today, we're going back to John. I was in John, uh, I mean, I was in John's life a couple of weeks ago in um, the Gospel of Luke chapter 3. All four of the Gospels talk about John. In fact, John's an important and pivotal figure, especially in his connecting to Jesus, because all four Gospels make sure we understand there is a relationship between John, who we call the Baptist, and Jesus Christ. And we saw last week, or two weeks ago, that John had a very unique ministry that started before Jesus. In fact, Luke reminds us, and he shares at the very beginning, that that the announcement of John's birth preceded the announcement of Jesus' birth. That the coming of John was the, was the beginning kind of this whole epic, this whole saga of, of the New Testament of Christ. And um, John came and he had two central tasks. One, as we saw, was he had this message that you need to be baptized on account of the repentance and acceptance of forgiveness. So you needed, you needed to be baptized. The Jews, talking to the Jews, not the Gentiles, you need to be baptized to picture the fact that you've repented of your rebellion against God and received that forgiveness. But the, also, the other thing he also did is his task was to point to Jesus. He was the forerunner, the one who was pointing the Messiah is coming, Jesus is coming. In fact, in John's gospel, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. He looks at Jesus and said, right there, the Lamb of God, he's the one. And so it was an important ministry he had, and Jesus was baptized by John. And we pick up today in Luke chapter 3 with verse 21, it says this, now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, 
heaven was open. Now the people were coming to be baptized. He, he preached that message and he was successful. People were coming. And, and when, when Luke wrote this, around 60 AD, give or take, everyone would understand what the word baptism meant. It meant to dunk, to go under and come out. If, if, you, were, if you spoke the Greek language in the first century and you were swimming out in the river or swimming out in the ocean and, and you were messing around and you were dunking each other, you would use the word baptizo. It means to put under and come back, dunking. That's what it means. That's no other understanding, but that, immersion, is the technical term we use. And they would, the Jews, and I showed this to you before, would, would, when Gentiles converted to, Christian, to, to Judaism, um, occasionally they would baptize them. But the whole body is showing they were breaking away from the pagan life. Jews didn't baptize other Jews. Uh, baptism, by the way, doesn't mean washing. It doesn't mean cleansing. That's, that's not a concept that it means. There were other terms and words for washing and cleansing, and the Jews washed and cleansed, and Jesus dealt with that. No, baptism means to go under and, and to come back. That's the whole concept. And so they were, they were being baptized. You know, they were repenting of sin. And it says Jesus was also baptized. He, he went under also. Jesus submitted to the baptism of John. He submitted to the authenticity and authority of John to baptize. Now, Jesus didn't need to repent of sin, so that's why he wasn't. He wasn't baptized to repent of anything. He had no sin. Nor was he converting anything. Basically, Jesus, and I'll talk about Jesus' baptism more in a minute. Jesus was really, he was just acknowledging the validity of John. He was identifying with his people. He was beginning his ministry. So he was baptized, and he was baptized, we're told, that he came up praying and heaven was opened. Now, Luke is the only one that says Jesus was praying. So the idea is he comes up out of the water, you know, and the water comes off, and, and he begins to pray. Now, it's important to always remember that, that when we talk about baptism, Jesus is going under too. You know, John went down to the Jordan River uh, to baptize. If, if baptism was about sprinkling or pouring, why, he wouldn't have to go to a river. He could do that anywhere. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, the, the official, was with Philip, and he was converted and said, hey, there's some water. Can I be baptized? And Philip said, let's go down into the water. They went down into the water. You're always going into the water and coming out. And Jesus went into the water, and he came up, and he began to pray, and the heavens were open. Now, that's a... That's a picture. We don't know exactly what it means. Maybe it's a cloudy day and the clouds broke. Maybe there was light. We don't know. But verse 22 tells us this, that when the heavens were open, that the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. He wasn't a dove, but it was like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Now, notice the importance of this. Just kind of a side note. This, this is a picture of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, I, there are people who will say, well, the Trinity is not mentioned in you know, the New Testament. That word's never used. No. There are a lot of words we use that aren't used in the New Testament. Incarnation really being one. And, and just because the word doesn't use doesn't mean the concept's not there. In fact, this is important. From the beginning of the Christian movement, they have always taught that there is one God, three persons. Trinity can be difficult to understand. It's not in the Old Testament. And we sometimes wonder about that. But remember, I've taught you many, many times, God revealing himself to us is progressive. He progressively reveals. So the New Testament, yes, Trinity is revealed, that concept, one God and three persons. When you come to the Old Testament, the Jews are dealing with pagans. Everything's in a pagan background. There's just a little handful of them, pagans everywhere. So the concept of one in three might be confusing to them. So the Old Testament talks about the Spirit of God, and, and we would understand that probably means the Holy Spirit, but they didn't think of that because they thought of God as Spirit, so they didn't have that clue. Nowhere do we see anything, you know, about the Son of God. I mean, I know some people like to say, well, there are places in the Old Testament where Jesus appears, but please understand that nowhere in the New Testament does it ever say to us 
that there was somewhere previously that Jesus ever appeared, nor does it ever give us any indication, nor does the Old Testament ever indicate that it was the second person of the Trinity. It's just our imagination sometimes come up with that. I mean, here it is. Father, the Son, the Spirit. It's hard to understand the Trinity. And I, I try to use analogies. Analogies break down, but let me use two that if you combine them may help. I use the analogy sometimes of H2O, water. In its liquid form, H2O is water. That molecule or that cluster of, you know, of H2O can, in solid form, it be ice. And then in, in, the, in the gaseous form, it be a vapor. So it can be three different things, but it can never be all three at the same time. That's the difference. That's where it breaks down. Sometimes I use the analogy of a relationship when my mama was alive, and my mom and my wife and my daughter were all in the same room. I related to my mother as her son. I related to my daughter as her father, and I related to my wife as her handsome husband. And I did all three. <laughs> but I didn't take a different form. It was, well, she says that. It's not me. I wouldn't say that. It's her. She tells me that all the time. And so if you took those two kind of pictures together, maybe you get the idea. And so here the Holy Spirit comes. And it's the form. And so Luke's saying it's visible. You can see the Holy Spirit coming. It looks something like a dove. This is the only place that, that I know of where we see the Holy Spirit in some sort of form that's visible. In Acts chapter 2, it says that with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit, there were manifestations. There were signs like the rushing wind and the fire. But it doesn't say that was the Spirit. And so the Spirit comes. And then the Father speaks. And the Father says, this is my son. The term son is a title. It speaks of the one who is to come, the Messiah. He is both beloved and pleasing or favored. He is the favored one. He, he is the one beloved. And, and so all of this together points to Jesus as being something unique, someone unique, the Messiah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a significant moment of what's about to occur. Now, some take it to believe in, in, in their false teaching that at, Jesus was never fully God in the flesh. He was human, and, and at some point, God adopted him. And they would say at the baptism of Jesus, when the Spirit came, God kind of adopted Jesus. He, he, was, he took Jesus to his earthly ministry, and then at the cross, when Jesus gave up the Spirit, that God abandoned him. And, and he says, you have abandoned me. But this has always been a teaching, and it has always been wrong. The church has always fought against adoptionism in every capacity. What we have here is the baptism of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Now, so we see this occurs, which now what we need to talk about a little bit is the significance of what baptism is. And so we look and we come to the significance of what baptism means. And so a lot of people don't think you have to be baptized. They say, well, you know, we talk about baptism being symbolic. And, well, if it's just symbolic, why do we need to be baptized? I don't need to be baptized. So we ask the question, why is baptism important? We, and we kind of have to answer that. So what I really want to do for the next few minutes is answer kind of that question, why is baptism important? So I'm going to take it from the perspective, first of all, of Jesus being baptized. The baptism of Jesus was three things. The baptism of Jesus was an affirmation of John's ministry, his identification with the people, and the beginning of his ministry. So what Jesus did is he affirmed the ministry of John. John had two aspects to his ministry. He preached repentance, and he preached that someone is coming, the Messiah. And oh, by the way, it happens to be Jesus. By being baptized by John, Jesus affirmed both those things. He affirmed the need for repentance, but he also affirmed, he agreed with John, I am the Messiah. 
So it was an affirmation of the validity, the authenticity, and the authority of John's ministry. It was also him identifying with his people. He, he wasn't a sinner, but he identified with sinners because he was human. And at the cross, he took our sin upon him. Why could Jesus take our sin upon him? Because he was one of us. He was flesh and blood. And while he did not sin, he took our sin. So he's identifying with the people, particularly the Jewish people. And then this is also the beginning of his ministry. His ministry starts here. You don't see anything of his ministry before baptism. But now it begins. So this is significant. But not only is it significant for Jesus, it's significant for us too. Our baptism then is this. It's an act of obedience. It's our identification with Jesus. It's the beginning of our faith journey. And it's our public confession of faith. Baptism is an act of obedience. We're obeying the Lord Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said to the disciples, the last words kind of Matthew has of him before he ascends, he says to the, to the 12 and to the others, go make disciples of all people and baptize them. The word to be baptized carries the force of a command. I'm commanding you to make disciples, and part of that command is to baptize. And so we who become disciples should be baptized as an act of obedience. When I baptize someone, I have said, based upon your confession that Jesus is Lord, and in obedience to his command or in obedience to Scripture, I baptize you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's an act of obedience, also an act of identification with Jesus. Jesus was baptized. Well, I should be too. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. So when someone says to me, you know, I don't need to be baptized. Well, okay, but Jesus didn't either. But yet he was baptized. And so here's the thing. If Jesus was baptized and he tells us to be baptized, don't you think kind of like you should be baptized? Are you like better than Jesus kind of? I don't know. I mean, if you're going to follow Jesus, follow him baptism. In fact, when I baptize someone, I have said, you have followed Christ in baptism. Follow him the rest of your life. It's identify with Jesus. The third thing that it does for us is it is the beginning of our faith journey. It's the beginning of our Christian life. Baptism marks that time when you have moved from rebellion into obedience and to faith. Now, a lot of times people may be baptized quite a bit of time after their salvation, people today will, will fall in that category, and that's okay. But, but really, it kind of marks that movement forward. It, it makes, it, it's kind of a mark of your identifying and being a part of the church. When you, everybody baptized here today, whether they knew it or not, became a part of the church, and then secretly they became, not secretly, publicly, they became a part of our church. You're, you're, you're a member, you're, you're, you're one of us. Begins our faith journey, but the other thing it does, it is our public profession of faith. There was a time when people gave their life to Christ. The place they did that from was the waters of baptism. They would preach a message, and then they would offer the invitation, and people would come and be baptized. And upon their baptism, the, the pastor would say, do you renounce your sins and proclaim Jesus as Lord? And they would say, Jesus is Lord, and they would baptize them. And that, that, that was their public profession. I know some churches and some groups like to baptize after a period of time so they can have classes and all that. I'm not a big favorite, fan of that stuff because, for one thing, it's not scriptural. They didn't do that. They baptized. I get the need for classes. Oh, whatever. But it, you know, it is the public confession. Baptism, then, is 
for believers. It is symbolic, and it's by immersion. We're going to put you under, and we'll bring you back. I know some people are a little scared sometimes of being baptized, and, and they're scared of the going under. I understand that, but I promise you, we'll bring you back eventually. <laughs> I've never left one behind. We always come back. A couple I wanted to, but we always bring them back. Some people ask about infant baptism. And why we have infant baptism? I don't know. I don't baptize infants. But I do know why. At some point in the life of Christianity, and some of you were baptized as infants, and I got that. some point in the life of Christianity, and I'm making this real brief, it began to be believed that baptism either washed away your sins or dispensed the grace of God. You needed baptism to get God's grace or saved you. If that's true, if you're saved by baptism or received grace or washed away your sins, then you have to be baptized to be saved. And then it makes sense that you want to be sure you baptize infants so that they're safe. And so they began baptizing infants. Only it, <laughs> we have some infants around here, and I know, and uh, we don't want to take a little eight-day-old infant and put him under the water and bring him. We don't do that. So they began to sprinkle. And some places where it was extremely cold, you couldn't do that. And so sprinkling came into existence, but sprinkling is not a biblical form. It, it's believer's baptism by immersion. It's symbolic. Here's the thing. Baptism doesn't save you, nor does it wash away your sins. Baptism is symbolic. It is a picture, a picture of salvation. It pictures the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and it pictures our death to sin, our burial to an old way of life, and to follow Christ in baptism. We follow him to a new life. We, we, it pictures our new life in Jesus. So it doesn't save us. It's symbolic. It's a picture. In fact, here's the thing. Jesus saves us. And baptism points to that salvation. Baptism points to Jesus. When I was nine years old, I was baptized in Park Hills Baptist Church by Dr. John D. Barbie. I still remember that. And uh, that baptism pointed to Jesus. Every person I've ever baptized, it points to Jesus. All 13 people baptized today, it points to Jesus. You see, baptism is a living picture. And every picture tells a story. Baptism tells our story. It tells our story of faith, of coming to Christ, of leaving behind a life of sin. And while we don't understand everything, and I get that, I don't understand everything. Please don't ever think that just because I'm a pastor, just because I've been doing this for a long time or whatever, and, and, and whatever you may think I know or don't know, please understand there's so many things I don't understand. When I get to see Jesus one day, it may not even matter if I understand it or not. So I, you don't have to understand everything. But you need to leave behind that life of sin and realize that only Jesus can save you. Baptism is the picture that tells that story. It tells your story. Have you ever been baptized? If you're a follower of Christ, well, you should be. And if you're not a follower of Christ, well, no, you shouldn't be. But for the follower of Jesus, yes. So the real question is, have you ever trusted Christ to be your Savior? Have you ever said, Lord, forgive me for my sin? I, I, even if you don't understand it all, just forgive me for my sin. I want to trust you with my life. I want to trust you. If you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, you can do that right now. In just a moment when we have our invitation, you can come and, and say, you know, to somebody, I want to give my life to Christ and trust Him. 
And we want you to do that and trust Jesus to save you. If you are a believer, have you been baptized like that? I don't mean you were sprinkled when you were little. I get it. I understand the traditions. I understand all that. It's not what Jesus did. He went under, came back out. You need to go under, and we'll bring you back out. You got to do that. Not to save you, but to proclaim, I follow Christ. If you've never been baptized, we invite you to come forward and say, hey, I want to be baptized. And we're going to have another baptism in two, in two months, on, in October, on Epic Sunday. If you're fairly new, you say, I don't know what Epic Sunday is. What is Epic Sunday? Well, it'll be the day we baptize you. That's what it'll be. It'll be a bigger event. You can read about it later. But it'll be a great time of celebration for you. If you need to be baptized, come and say, I need to be baptized. If you want to join our church, we'd love for you to come and be a formal member. You don't have to be a formal member. If you don't want to be a formal member, that's fine. But make this your church home. At least make a commitment. Even where you are, say, you know what? I don't want to go be Baptist, per se. I don't want to be a formal member. But and I want this to be my church home. Well, let this be your church home. If you're not a part of a connect group, tonight we're having connect night. Guess our small groups. Come tonight. See if you can get connected to a small group. Man, I may even have a, an opening to it in our group. But you've got to be pretty young. But, you, but that's okay because I'm young. So, you know, that's fine. But just get connected. Let this be your church home. If you want to pray, we'll pray with you. If you want to join, you can join. And I don't know what you need to do today. But I know this. At some point, you need to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior. Lord, we love you. Man, we thank you for Jesus. Saved us. Now, baptism, what a beautiful picture. It tells our story. Our story of a new life in Christ. Father, I thank you so much I have that life. I thank you so much that I can think back 51 years ago when I was just nine years old and I was baptized. That baptism symbolized what I had already done. What you had already done. You saved me. By grace, through the faith you gave me. And I trusted you. And we praise you. God, let us trust you now. Let us feel the impact of you upon our life. Let us celebrate Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You stand. We'll be here. You can come.